0: You may be seated. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning to you. Good morning. Right, let's try that again. Good morning, church. Good morning. It is a pleasure to see you all this beautiful morning. I know it's cold. there's a little bit of snow. That's okay. The Lord is with us. Amen. Amen. Uh, I am going to pray, and we're going to jump right into our third Sunday of Advent as we talk about joy. Today we're going to be discussing the idea of finding joy, and I'm really excited to dive right into the Word of the Lord, so let us pray, and then we will jump into joy together. Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you that you are a God who sent your Son, that you are with us. The, the word Emmanuel, that you are present, that you are not far away, but you are right here. And so, Father, I pray right now that we will feel your, your Holy Spirit's presence as we open up your word, as we have already welcomed, been welcomed into your throne room through worship. Father, I pray that you will speak to our hearts this morning. Holy Spirit, that you will use my mouth and the meditations of our hearts to hear your word. And may we leave this room rejoicing because we have experienced the joy of the Lord. Amen. Amen. So there was a story of a dad and his son. And in this story, the dad was kind of uh, afraid of going outside of their town, their area. And he just it was just him and his son, and his wife had passed away. She had left the area and, and was, was killed in, in a tragic accident. And so that caused this dad to have great fear. And so he would just control his son's movements to school and back, and, and that created some sort of angst in this son. And so the son became a little bit more adventurous, and when his dad was not looking, he snuck out and, of course, lost his way and was not found. His father tried to go to school and all around and realized his son had left the town and had actually been taken. His son had left. His greatest fears had been found to come true. So he went on a mission. I need to find my son no matter where I go. His fear of leaving town left him because he needed to find his child. And along the way, he was at first alone, and he discovered a couple of people along the way who were willing to help. And and one person who had a little bit of, of mental issues was a little bit delusional, but she had some really great information about where his son was. He locked onto her and said, "You need to come with me because you need to help me find my son, even though you don 't always remember where we 're supposed to go you, you have some knowledge of where we 're supposed to go and along the way, they found more people and, and as this this father was wandering through trying to find his son, he found that even though there was this detrimental peace that his son was gone, he was finding joy in knowing new people, and there was this adventure that was happening along the way, and he knew where his son was, and he went and he found his son. He had found the joy, the anticipation of finding his son. Finally, he had found his son. Now, many of you probably know that I am talking about finding Nemo. It's a great story. You guys were all in, into it. You could go watch the movie. It's good, right? That story happens. There's joy along the way. Even though this journey is filled with pain and angst, there is this anticipation, this expectation that they are going to find Nemo. And so this adventure that, that Marlon goes on is similar to the adventure that you and I go on. The journey that we have to find Jesus. The journey that we have to find joy. And I believe that the journey towards Jesus leads to perfect joy. The journey towards Jesus leads to perfect joy. Now, as we wander through life and we, as as Marlon, are trying to find joy, find Jesus, there are things that come against us. There are things that take away our joy. There are issues and pain and sorrow and tragedy that take away our joy, that hinder our ability to live joyful Christian lives. But I tell you that you and I can find our joy in Jesus. You and I can have the joy of the Lord. We do not have to allow the enemy to steal our joy. So we're going to look at the scripture to answer this question. How can we find the joy of the Lord? How can we find the joy of the Lord? And I'm going to read from Matthew 2, 1 through 16, which is a very familiar story for you. I want you to just pretend for a moment that you've never heard this story. Pretend for a moment that this is all new information because we're going to unpack from the story of the wise men how you and I can find the joy of the Lord. So let's read the word of the Lord together. Matthew 2, 1 through 16. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem. and frankincense, and myrrh, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed for their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose, and took the child and his mother by night, and departed to Egypt." And remain there until the death of Herod. This This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious and sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem, in all of the region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. We see that this this group of men went on a journey to find joy, to find Jesus, which then brought them joy. And they have these areas in their lives and their journey that we can see the places of joy that they found. And so I think the first place of joy that they found was that they found joy in expectation. And you and I can find joy in expectation as well. These astrologers were looking to the sky. These astrologers were were looking for a sign of a king to be born. And they knew of the king of the Jews coming because they were most likely from a town called Babylon, a city called Babylon, where there were exiles from Israel living in that area. So they would have heard about this coming king of the Jews. And as they studied their science and as they studied the sky, they saw this beautiful star come. And there was conviction in their hearts that they knew that this was the sign. This was what they were waiting for. This is what they've been looking for. This is the sign of the king of the Jews. And so they left their homeland. They packed away their things and began to follow this star. There was this anticipation, this expectation. They didn't even doubt. They didn't even question. We look at this story and we say they expected to see a king. Why else would they go? Why else would they pack themselves up and get ready to go to visit a king? If they didn't expect him to be there, why waste that much time, energy, and money? They expected to see a king. Now, how can we find joy in our expectation? Well, I believe that we are called to expect God to meet us in our day-to-day life. That we are to expect God to show up at church when we show up. That we are to expect God to show up when we read our scriptures, when we pray to the Lord, that you and I are to have an anticipation and an expectation that we are going to meet face to face the living King, our living Lord, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the Almighty Father, that when we spend time to pray and read and worship together, we should have an expectation, an anticipation that we are going to meet the living God. Why are we sometimes joyless when coming to church? I believe it's because we've lost our expectation. These men, no matter how long they traveled, stayed with joy because they expected to see the king. I fully believe that the lack of expectation is an epidemic in the church today. It is an epidemic. When we come to church, we have joyless worship. Because we're not expecting to meet the king. But when we come and we wake up in the morning and we look at our kids and we look at our spouse and we look at our our family, we say, we're going to meet God this morning. Let's go. We can't be late. We can't miss this. We're going to meet the living God. How many of you get up in the morning and rouse your children and say, we're going to meet God today? Woo! I get excited about that. See, I'm not at home in the morning to wake up my kids because I get here really early, but sometimes I would probably do that. Right? I'm kind of scary with energy like that. But my friends, our worship sometimes is joyless because we're not expecting to meet God. But if we wake up with an expectation and we go to our Bible and say, I am going to meet the living God right now. Right? Don't call me, honey. I'm going to meet God. How often do we do that? But the story of the Magi, the story of the wise men, shows us that we can be moved by expectation, that we can have joy in our expectation, expecting to meet the living God. Man, these guys didn't even really know the Jewish everything about the law, they didn't know it, they just knew enough about a story of a king, and they went after it. We can have joy in expectation The journey of faith, if it's just a humdrum kind of boring thing for you and me, if church becomes boring, if reading the Bible becomes boring, if studying doctrine, yes, even studying doctrine can bring joy. If all of those things have become dull and boring, we are missing the point. Because it's not about what we can cram into our brain. It's about knowing the person that we love. It's about meeting the person that we love. And so when we read about doctrine, when we read about the scripture, when we read about the stories, when we pray, it's a relational excitement that gets us up in the morning. We can be transformed by meeting the living, breathing God. Expectation can bring us joy. Their expectation was so infectious. Their expectation was so infectious that it caused the king to murder children. Now, granted, if you know anything about Herod, he was a bit of a psychopath. right? He killed a lot of people because he was afraid that they were going to take his throne. He had like five wives, and all of them he murdered. All of his sons, he's like, nope, they're going to take my throne. So it's not abnormal for him to go and kill people. But their expectation of meeting a king Made him realize, I-, I need to kill more people. Their expectation was so infectious that he believed them. They were certain that they were going to meet the king. The second place that we can see and find joy is not a, a, one of those places that you would expect. The second place that we can find joy is in pain. Find joy in pain. James 1 2-4 through four says this, if I can get there, James 1, 2-4 says this, count it all joy my brothers when you meet trials of various kinds for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing. In Romans 5, 3 through 4, we see again, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. You and I can find joy in our pain. These guys, these gentlemen, as we said, came from Babylon. I want to show you on the screen kind of their journey. You might not be able to see it very well. uh, But Babylon is modern-day Baghdad, okay? And they traveled from modern-day Baghdad through the desert all the way to Bethlehem. Now, that journey right there, it looks like there's a road. That's walking. 227 hours walking it would take them. Now, you're wondering, why did it take them two years? We'll talk about that in a moment. But if they were to travel 10 or 12 hours a day, it would take them 19 days straight. That's not stopping for food. That's not stopping for the potty. That's only stopping for sleep. Now, if they had kids with them, I'm sure they stopped to go potty a lot. (laughs) Right? Dad, pull the camel over. (laughs) But there's this, there's this real sense of this, this long, travailing trek, and it was all through desert. That's not a very fun vacation. Hey, kids, let's wander through the desert with very little water, and, and we have no idea where we're going to meet villages and people, but let's go. 227 hours of walking that's going to be a painful trek. It's not going to be an easy one. It's not going to be simple. And they left not knowing how long they were going to walk. They had no idea the length of time that they would be going. But I guarantee you that along their way, they had pain. They might have even lost some people to the desert. They might have even lost some people to snakes and all of the dangers that happened in the desert. There weren't many roads, if any, that were going through the area that they were going through. This was not an easy trek at all. But they found joy in their pain. How do I know that? Because when they came, they were still joy-filled people. If they would have come to Herod and said, oh, we're here, we hate this trek, it seems to be finally over. No, they came and they're like, where's the king? Ha, let's find him. This, this has got to be the place. Where's the king? Herod, where is the king? And he's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. You're freaking me out right now. But they still had joy despite their pain. Listen, you and I in our journey can also have joy in pain. One of the things that we miss about the idea of joy is that we think that joy is an emotional state. It is not. It is not about what feels good and what feels bad. Joy is in the midst of anything I can still celebrate and know that the Lord is king, that I can have joy. It's not about happiness. right? It's not about saying, "woo." I'm always happy, because if we're always happy, that's not real life. Right, Dory was always happy, but she was also kind of missing some stuff. Right, we, we, we look at this story of, of the Magi, and we don't even think about the pain that they would have gone through. But I guarantee you that they went through pain. You and I can find joy in pain. To find joy in pain, we must allow Christ to enter in our pain with us. James and Paul, when they were giving these letters in, the Romans, to, in Romans and James, they weren't talking to, about happy times for the church. The church was most likely under the rule of either Caligula or Nero at the time, and both Caligula and Nero hated Christians. Nero literally burned them alive to light the way to Rome. Historical facts. And here James and Paul are telling the church, Rejoice in your suffering. Be joyful when things go bad. Those are strange things to tell a, a people that are being murdered and slaughtered. But their point was that Christ understands your pain. In the book of Hebrews, we see that. That He had experienced all the pain, the sorrow, the temptations that you and I have experienced. And so we can invite Christ into our pain rather than pushing him out or pretending that we don't have pain or whatever it is that we do to cope with our pain and our suffering, we can invite him in and know that he understands it. And when he is with us, we can have his presence and we can have joy. The beauty of this story is that Jesus was also to be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And he's with you in the times where life is happy and he's with you when the times are painful. But in our weird, Americanized Christianity, we only think that God is with us when we're happy or when things are going well. Like, oh yeah, God, God is just great. What? And then when pain happens, what did I do, God? What's wrong with me? Why am I suffering? Where are you? Even David, he, he said this in the Psalms. I don't know if you know this, and I've said this several times, but David was kind of a whiny guy. But in the end, he always said, you're with me. Where can I go where you're not? So I will rejoice. I will praise your name. One of the things I think that you and I miss often too is that pain and joy are actually connected. Because if we close off our heart to feeling pain, if we just reject it and pretend it's not there, the wall of joy will also come in. C.S. Lewis calls this deadening our hearts. He says we can lock our hearts away and not feel pain, but we need to recognize that our hearts are also going to be impenetrable to joy, that vulnerability helps us experience the joy that we are to experience. And when we deaden our hearts, we lock it up, and we can't feel anything. I believe that in America we have several numb Christians because they're blocking out pain or pretending it's not there or coping with it in ways that are there not to be coping with it and they're not finding the joy in the midst of their pain you and I my friends can find joy in our pain he is with us allow him to bring his comfort and joy in the midst of your pain the third place that we can find joy is that we can find joy in the waiting. We can find joy in the waiting. Isaiah 40, 31, which is probably one of the most taken out of context verses or misused or improperly defined, says this. Verse 31, Isaiah 40. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Why do I say we take it out of context often? is because we forget the reality of waiting upon the Lord. We go right to the the strength part. Yeah, we can have wings like eagles. Woo! (laughs) But wait on the Lord. Those who wait upon the Lord. These guys... They waited for two years. They traveled a long way, 227 hours of walking. And you're saying, well, that doesn't add up to two years. That's maybe 21 days if they're going potty and eating. Yes, it's only 21 days. 21 days trip took them two years. It's a lot of potty breaks from the children. No, they waited. When the star was no longer in the sky, they stopped. And they waited. And when the star came back, they moved. We don't know how many times the star was in and then out, in and then out, in and then out. These guys were waiting. If, if I were these guys, I'd be getting a little frustrated. About a month in, I'd be like, where is the star? Why are we here? Maybe we read the signs wrong. Or, you know, I might have Hillary saying, You went the wrong way. (laughs) That probably happened a lot of times. But the reality is that they waited. And their waiting did not change their joy. They found joy in the waiting. If anything, we can sense that there was an anticipation that was building. Wow, we're waiting this long? Something great has got to happen. It's got to be better than we ever thought. They were probably elbowing each other. The star's out again. We're going to be gone for a long time. Maybe they're saying, I don't have to go to work for a while. (laughs) Whatever it may be, they had joy in their waiting. And when we wait upon the Lord, it is not an easy thing. Waiting can be difficult, especially for those of us who are impatient. And I'm talking about myself. Even this morning, I plugged in my thumb drive, and within five seconds, it hadn't read it. So I pulled it out again. And then it blinked at me and said, You did something you shouldn't have done. I was like, Oh man, I need to wait longer. So I put it in, and I waited 10 seconds. And by a second, 11, it came on. You can now use your hard drive. That was hard. I don't want to wait 11 seconds it's supposed to be immediate i know that sounds weird that's me we wait and it's difficult but waiting upon the lord is worth it we can have joy in our waiting one of my favorite authors a guy named andrew murray he says this to find joy in the waiting upon the lord he says just be still before him And allow his Holy Spirit to waken and stir up in your soul the childlike disposition of absolute dependence and confident expectation. When you look at a baby, they are wholly dependent upon their parents. They're wholly dependent upon their parents for their cleanliness, for their food. There's just this sense of, I can't do anything with my life, you need to do it all. And if you're not, I'm going to cry at you until you do. I remember when we first brought MJ home. it was our first child. I was eagerly anticipating meeting this kid and hanging out with him. And my joy was so complete when I met with him. And then we brought him home and we said, we have no idea what we're doing. We looked at each other and we thought, this is bad. But eventually we figured it out. He just needs us to take care of every single need. And when we wait upon the Lord, what we're saying is saying, you know what, I'm going to rest in you. I'm not going to move when the star's not in the sky. I'm only going to move when the star is up and you are guiding and leading me. And when I don't sense that and I don't hear that, I'm going to wait upon the Lord. Again, that is not an easy task. But trust me that you can find joy in the waiting. Well, how do we know that this trip lasted two years? Well, the first thing that we can see is that they, when they get there, the word house is used. We see the word house, and that means a literal house. When they came to see the child, that's another key word for us, we know that he was not a baby any longer. We know that he was no longer in the cave or there's all kinds of theories about what the the stable looked like. We can't even imagine or picture it. Just go with the nativity scene because that comes right to your mind, right? But when they got there, it was a house. And we see this conversation that they had with Herod. And he, he had ascertained the time that the star had come, the first time, and then he chose, again, they use the word ascertained, that he understood that it was two years and under that needed to be killed because it had been two years since the, the star had appeared. And so we know that their journey was full of waiting. We know that their journey was full of toil because if it takes you that long to go that distance, man, there's pain, there's anguish, there's frustration But these magi never lost their joy. In the waiting, we can develop a deep sense of joy. The fourth place that we can find His joy, that we can find the joy of the Lord is in His presence. That you and I can find joy in His presence. You see, the entire purpose of their journey, the whole goal of their journey... The whole goal of their expectation was to be in the presence of the king. The presence of the king was their goal. When you and I, when we worship the Lord, when we read the scriptures, when we pray together or pray alone, is our goal the very presence of the living God? Because that's what we should be expecting. That's what we should be desiring. That's where our joy becomes complete is in the presence of the living God. My friends, I tell you because Emmanuel, God is with us, you and I, every time we open up the scriptures, every time we turn to prayer, every time we come to church, we can experience the presence of the living God and that is where we find our joy. In the midst of suffering, it's his presence that gives us joy. In the midst of waiting, when his presence comes we have this over abundant joy. Look at what it says about these magi. When they discovered that the star was finally over the house, that they were finally going to be in the presence of the king. Verse 10 says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Exceedingly with great joy. Now, I want to tell you that if you dig into the Greek on this, It's not the English words that you would think about exceeding great joy. There might be like a little, whoo, all right, we got it, in Americanized exceeding joy. No, the joy here is described as semi violent. What does that mean? They're like dancing and they're yelling and they're hooping and they're hollering and they're skipping and they're like, don't even care where their hands are. They might smack their kid off the camel because they're so excited. There's so much joy. It's like a violent, I don't care, I'm so excited, I'm going to look like an idiot. That's the kind of joy that they had. I mean, can you imagine this caravan? There were more than three guys. Just saying. right? Could you imagine this caravan going from Herod's palace to this tiny little town, and they're just going crazy. I'm sure that people noticed them. Right? Because they're A, out-of-towners, and B, they look a little weird doing this crazy, violent joy thing. But what drove them to that type of crazy, wild joy? The presence of the king. It is okay for us to say amen once in a while. It is okay for us to get excited when we're worshiping the Lord and we feel the presence of the living God. It's okay to clap. It is okay. Because we see these guys, they would have looked like idiots to the American church. Like, wow, why are you so excited? Like, because we're going to the presence of the king. Why aren't you excited? See, the joy of the presence of the living God is what drives us, is what moves us. And we can find joy in his presence, my friends. The presence of the Lord brings excessive joy. You and I should have excessive joy. Some people say, why are you always hyper and excited? Because I am an excessively joyful person. I sometimes drive Brian nuts because he's like, you're always up and you're never down. Right? Is that true? (laughs) It's because we have the joy of the Lord. We should be excessively joyful. Even in the midst of pain, we can have joy, not because the circumstances are great, but because we have the presence of the living God. You and I have the Holy Spirit living within us. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, we have the presence of the living God right here. I don't know how I can get you more joyful than that. I can't. But the Magi caught it. They understood. They danced and they hooped and they hollered and they were violent with their joy because they recognized the presence of the Lord. A pastor once said The moment you understand who God is, the moment the divine nature through the Holy Spirit is planted in you, joy is the only appropriate response. Joy. You and I should have joy. Now, does that mean that we're not going to struggle? Does that mean we're not going to have sadness or depression? Does that mean that life is going to be hunky-dory and rainbows and unicorns? No, of course that's not what it means. But you and I can access joy. Jesus in John promised that. If you remember not too long ago, John 16, 24, he reminds us that we can ask and we will receive that our joy may be full. In those times, we need to say, Holy Spirit, remind me of your presence because right now, I'm not joyful. The enemy is trying to steal my joy with all of these different things going around, all of these different aspects of fear, of pain, of anxiety, of job loss, or whatever it is. We need to say, I need your joy because the enemy is trying to steal it, and the enemy would love nothing else than to steal your joy. The enemy loves nothing else than boring people going to a boring church, worshiping a boring God. Because then there's no action, there's no passion, there's no power, there's no presence. But my friends, our God is not boring. Our God is not powerless. Our God is a God of joy who brings love, who brings care, who sent his son to be a baby for you and for me. We can have joy. And when the Holy Spirit moves upon you in your life, the only appropriate response is joy. May we be a joyful people. He is the fullness of our joy. Finally, the fifth place that we can find joy is not from the passage, but I felt as I was praying through this that, man, I just really needed to share this final point. We can find joy in His delight. We can find joy in His delight of you. If you look at Ephesians 2.10 and Zephaniah, we read it earlier, where the Lord is rejoicing over us. Sometimes the enemy steals our joy because we forget that the Lord delights over us, that we are the reason that he came. That he came as a baby. Advent is about the presence of God coming to redeem the wickedness of man. And that he delights over you. I don't know about you, but my, my nana, she was kind of a rough woman, but, but she every night when she would put us kids to bed, she would sing Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Now, I'm 10 and 12 and 11, and she's rocking the bed, singing Somewhere Over the Rainbow. And I never said, stop singing that song or stop rocking the bed because it was one of those moments where there was just the singing over me. No one ever did that else, and my dad never did that. My mom never did that. It was only Nana, and so it was special. Even when I was an adolescent, it was like this is a special moment because she's singing over me, even though I've heard the song a thousand times. Why? Because there was I could feel her delight in me. I could feel her song over me. She loved that song. It was her favorite song. It was her favorite movie. She would watch it all the time, and it had to be black and white, not color, because it would hinder the reality of that movie for her. But she would sing that song and there was this delight that that she had over me. And the reality is, is if you are a believer in the living God, the Lord is singing over you. And His song is joy. And His song is Advent. His song is love. His song is peace. His song is hope. And we know that we can feel His delight because of His presence. So as we search for joy... In this season, as we look at the story of the Magi, as they show us places that we can find joy, may we never forget that he delights in us. We need to begin to expect God to show up and bring us joy. We need to discover joy in our pain and joy in the hardship of waiting. We need to find joy this morning in his presence and his delight in you. It is okay if you leave with the joy of the wise men and you hoop and holler and if you walk out of this place and you're so excited and you smack me in the face, I'm going to be joyful as well. (laughs) Unless it was a legit smack and then I'll worry. My friends, we should be joyful. The joy of the Lord can and will be our strength. The Advent shows us the beauty of the joy that you and I can find. Let's expect it. Let's go after it and be a joyful people. Let's pray. Father, we love you. I thank you that you bring joy. I thank you that you are a God who loves us, that you are a God who fills us with your presence. I pray that, God, we will find joy this season, that we will rebuke the enemy from trying to steal our joy, and that we will walk in the joy of the Lord so that we can soar on wings like eagles. But Father, may we do the work of waiting upon you. In your name, amen.